Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Thanks for making the time to join us. This is Rick Wirtz, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where we encourage and equip you to be a faithful father, a dad that prioritizes physical presence, is engaged emotionally, and leads spiritually by example. This is the first in a series of three broadcasts that will uh, podcasts that will look into why we feel faithful fathering is important in your life and why it's such a powerful movement in churches and society. I do want to point you to the website faithfulfathering.org where you can click on the Dad Talk button to see a history of blogs we post each week that really complement these podcasts. As always, this will be a very uh, practical discussion that I pray blesses you on your journey as a faithful father. In the studio with us today is uh, Mr. Uh, Donald Mayfield. Uh, he's a, a husband and father. Welcome, and Donald. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've uh, been married for 24 years and um, have a daughter, 27, and son-in-law. Uh, two grandkids, five-year-old grandson, a three-year-old granddaughter, and uh, I'm a chaplain for the Pasadena Police Department, uh, involved at my church at Calvary Chapel, and uh, I'm just another man, another father trying to live for the Lord. Sounds like a God guy to me. (laughs) Well, we're here today to to talk about, again, why faithful fathering is important in your life. And and one of the key things I always emphasize is, is, is to help Keep dads grounded uh, in faith and truth, you know, and and so talking about the importance of the worldview that we establish in our home, and uh, and when I talk about worldview, we typically address uh, one worldview as a secular worldview, which some call the demonic worldview, uh, where uh, that worldview really downplays individual liberties and the importance of family. Uh, the state and government play a larger role, uh, an ever-increasing role in individual lives and businesses uh, in creating a dependent class. Uh, what promises uh, does this worldview kind of put forth in, in folks that you see responding and living very much in the world? How would you say this, uh, this worldview, uh, what promises it puts forth? Well, I, I just... It, it, creates uh, a dependency this worldview it creates uh, it creates someone actually kind of it steals the potential that's there I've noticed that uh, maybe someone that was going to go forward and you know had to do something on their own or you know was um, just uh, I've seen aspirations you know just kind of dwindling because uh, even in myself I've noticed in the past when uh, something was given to me, I didn't, um, I didn't go, I didn't do what I needed to do and go forward with it. You know, when I, when I went into the Marine Corps, when I was young, after my mom had died, I was kind of thrown, you know, I was thrown from being a place where I was really dependent on my mom. And at that point, I realized uh, I'd lived my life kind of wild at the time. I got into some things I shouldn't have. And after, one day I had an awakening and there's a whole testimony where God did something crazy, but I realized that things had to change. Mm-hmm. So I, I set a goal for myself and I had to do it. I, I, there was no, no one was going to do it for me. I had to move back in with my grandfather. I had to go to a place called Walters in Deer Park and it became my goal, my mission. In a matter of a year, I finished and graduated and went off into the Marine Corps. And that was really the first time I'd ever had to do something for myself. But had my mom been around, you know, and I'm not saying I 
I, I wish that was different, but if I was more, de- it just shows dependency. Mm-hmm. Had I been more dependent, I wouldn't have got to have that victory. Mm-hmm. I, I set a goal, and of course God helped me through it, but mm-hmm. that was achieved, and it, and it actually set a precedent in my life early on. Good. Well, that uh, that's uh, God's wake-up calls come in all kinds of form and fashion. Uh, on another side, of course, is coming out of the pandemic. You know, there's a lot of talk about how uh, uh, unemployment benefits were expanded and, and then extended, and, and you found people that weren't returning to the workforce because they were dependent on the government uh, monies to uh, support them because it didn't work out. Uh, just you know, simple mathematics said it wasn't worth going to work if they could get essentially the same pay without going to work. And uh, so I think that sometimes there are those those false uh, senses of security, whether it be in a parent or in a, in a, in a, in a, a compensation that wasn't necessarily earned that uh, we, we, we move into that. But uh, it, and the benefits realized uh, from uh, that, uh, what I would say, uh, an unhealthy dependency are, are really what? Uh, how, how would they be benefits or they, would they be uh, uh, limitations put on you? Yeah. yeah, well, like you mentioned, with the, uh, with the money that was given and people not going back to work, that was definitely a dependency. We actually saw the outcome of it as businesses failing because they couldn't get their employees to come back. Right. I mean, really, why would you go back somewhere if you can make more money staying at home doing nothing? Right. Or, you know, doing what you want to do. Right. Well, and, and secularism as a, as a whole, I think it was 1973, somewhere around there, that uh, uh, secularism was actually declared as a, as a religion. It is a, it's a, not only a worldview, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a religion that's being practiced uh, to a large part in schools when prayer was taken out of school, but secularism was still very much in force. So it's almost a new, a new religion being taught to kids uh, under the influence of purely the school. Now, of course, the home uh, more than outweighs any influence the school can have, but uh, that's the question, again, goes back to what worldview are we raising our children under? The second one, of course, versus contrary to the secular worldview, is the biblical worldview where we recognize God as sovereign. On a broader uh, scheme, he lifts up individual choice, liberties, and the importance of family. Uh, the state and government, uh, sec- they, their role is to secure uh, the liberties of people, and it's complementary to uh, what would be the broader scope of society. So what promises do, would a biblical worldview, in contrast to a secular worldview, what promises do, uh, would a biblical worldview offer? Well, a biblical worldview, uh, if we could get everybody to get on board, um, with, you know, I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Lean not on your own understanding, but in everything you do, acknowledge him. Mm. And uh, it says he'll make your path straight. Mm-hmm. And love him with all your heart also. But um, when, we, when we do that, everything just has a way of working out. Another verse, a series of, of scripture that comes to mind is Philippians 4, um, 6, and 7. It says, Be anxious about nothing, but with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make your request known, and he'll give you the peace which transcends you transcends human understanding and and honestly that peace is what people are looking for that peace when they're they're trying to follow the government and depend on what they tell them you know they're trying to find a place of safety Mm -hmm. and but with God and with the Lord everything just works out you know because let's face it man is corrupt Mm -hmm. you you know there, there might be um you know communism sounds great on paper but when you when you stick someone in there and and 
somewhere along that chain, that line, you get a, a person in there, a fallible man. Um, things aren't going to go right. And then once it starts dwindling, it just goes from there. But when, you, uh, when your foundation is the Word of God, it's the Lord, then uh, the promises that are given, even I know Jeremiah 29, 11, it was to the, the Israelites, you know, I, I have, I've wanted to give you a welfare hope and but but though we're grafted in you know on that when you're going by the word mm-hmm. yeah that uh, the the whole idea of, of uh, peace is you know it, I was thinking that the Shalom is a translation that Shalom in its most expressive sense is not that everything's peaceful and lovely that doesn't mean anything it just means that it's a positive state of rightness and well-being in the midst of the battles that you're going to face so it goes back to what are you dependent on if you're dependent on the Lord you see that battle as an opportunity to see what the Lord's up to and maybe he's, he's going to use you in a powerful way to navigate through this this time of battle but uh, what are your experiences uh, with with folks that truly embrace this this worldview uh, the secular the big, the big the, well either one you oh, well the biblical I, I see as I see a contrast I see people who you know they they always uh, just in dealing with me alone I've had people come to me and you know they'll they'll try to get on board with the biblical worldview but because uh just like the parable of the sower you know uh, or first corinthians fifteen thirty three, bad company corrupts good morals uh they're not willing to let go of certain things and they get pulled back and then i just see a cycle just like the israelites going around the mountain 80 years you know i see a cycle where they just keep they go they come they go they come but when i see someone who's really just and here's the the kicker really just getting intimate with the Lord, with Jesus, just really getting to know him. And when you do that, things change. Mm. Things change. There's things, there were things that I used to do that I couldn't stop doing. I tried and I tried. But uh, when, when the Lord came in and I was, I had a sincere heart and I wanted it to stop in a, in a matter of a day, they stopped. Um, and, And again, that just gives you an idea when you're dependent on yourself or on other things besides the Lord, uh, I, you know, I've even seen, um, and, and this is just an opinion. I've seen people. I've had family members who were um, in AA, but they, but maybe they didn't necessarily believe in God, and they would have a good long run, but then they'd fall off the wagon eleven years later, ten years later, and they would. It was a longer cycle. But when I see the Lord, and I see Him as your foundation, I see things go. Where I, I just see it continuous. I know a man right now in our church who. Um, he's been sober since 2007, I believe, and just keeps going strong. He's one of my brothers in Christ. Amen. Well, I think it's uh, Tony Evans, a uh, uh, pastor in Dallas of Oak Cliff Bible Church. He always said, you know, he supports all the programs, but at the end of the day, Jesus Christ can heal any kind of addiction immediately, if not sooner, if we're sincere and uh, and let him take control. But uh, but that's not to uh, degrade or, or uh, discredit any program out there. We These things are huge because a lot of times they provide that first step and then the Lord takes over or however however it works out. But uh, you're absolutely right. The, the benefits realized are tied to uh, how truly we're under the influence. And uh, I think that's uh, a lot of times uh, that sanctification process between our salvation and, uh, you know, but there's nothing we can't do in the power of the resurrected Christ and indwelling of the Holy Spirit if the heart is in the right place. And that's, we have to let go and let God uh, move forward through that. But, uh, you know, I always think that, uh, you know, the biblical world uh, view always uh, lays out 
uh, and it's built on the absolute truth. Now, that's a tough word today. You know, what is truth? And and everybody seems to have their own uh, sets, sets of facts that they want to refer to to uh, hold their point of view. Uh, but, I, you know, that was true in, in Jesus' day as well. You know, Pilate said, you know, uh, you know why are you here? And, and he says, well, I'm, I'm the, I am to represent the truth. And uh, I am the truth. And he says, well, what is truth? And, uh, you know, unbeknownst to Pilate, the truth, uh, the absolute truth incarnate was standing right before him if, uh, if he would have embraced it. Uh, but today, like I said, uh, it seems everyone has their own sets of facts and, uh, uh, and they reference that as the truth. So what's been uh, your practice or how, how would you encourage dads to discern through these times to find the truth? Well, you're going to find with me, I, I, I traded in my opinions a long time ago for the Word of God. So I think it's uh, Hebrews 4.12, which says the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. Um, it says something like able to cut between the bone and marrow, judge the hearts and Should the intentions the bone of there, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the truth, I use, even though we're in a modern society, the Bible is just as prevalent now, the Word of God. Um, you know, I believe it's uh, John... 1426, it says the Holy Spirit or the, the comforter which I've given you will remind you of everything I told you and lead you into truth. Mm. And with that, I um, a lot of times if I'm doing something, even as something as simple as working on a computer or networking issues, if I can't come up with a, the solution, I'll, I'll just pray. And all of a sudden I'll stumble into what to do. And, and I, believe it, I believe it's the way with everything. The Lord will guide you. Even... Even when uh, you hear about police officers talking about their gut feeling, they knew to draw their weapon or do something else. What is that? I think it's the Holy Spirit there, you know, just the Lord willing to guide us where we need to go. And the Word of God is um, the base. I mean, when you know the Word, I'll have scriptures come to mind that lead me in the direction I should go. That's why it's so important to have Him as your foundation. But... uh, You'll, you'll know something's wrong. Something will reveal itself. I think it says in Luke 12, 2 and 3, all things done in darkness will be brought to light and all things whispered in secret chambers will be shadowed on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Lord will bring things to pass and to, to reveal to you what you're dealing with or maybe you get that little, that, that feeling, you know, and uh, of course, seek the Lord on it and he'll guide you further, you know. Well, and, and, and the good thing is that you recognized it and gave it the, the right credit. You know, there's that bad joke about the gentleman that was real late for an appointment. He said, Lord, I need a parking place right in front of that office so I can get in there quickly. And he, he pulls up, sure enough, there's a parking spot there. And he says, well, never mind, God, I got it. <laughs> you know, and yeah. but you recognize that that's the case, that it was there. Not that not the God is in the parking business. I'm not suggesting <laughs> that. But it, it's, uh, it's funny how, like you say, what I call the Holy Spirit nudge. And, uh, and then we take credit for it or, uh, you know, that type right. of deal. So, but you're, you're absolutely right. They, there's, there's one true God that created us, male and female. Uh, Genesis 1, 27, it says he created us male and female in his image. He gave us marriage in Genesis 2, 24 and the purpose for family in Malachi 2, 15. So he gave us Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, and, uh, and finally Jesus the Christ. And, uh, Jesus went to the cross, died, 
walked out of the tomb and in doing so secured victory over death for all who believe in him. And so that's the eternal perspective we're to live into and it's worth living into that we understand that uh, we have eternity with our Father. Uh, how do you encourage your uh, now adult child and, and your grandchildren? How do you encourage them on that journey? We read all these old stories. We know their truth because we have that biblical worldview that embrace the Bible, not as a, a story, but as an actual, uh, you know, factual document, historical document that we base our lives on. I, I, I depend on the Lord to do a lot of this, obviously, right? But uh, with my kids, what I what I do is, um, you know, I, I think the prodigal son, you know, I think of that story. I remember the, the father, he, um, I believe it's in a Luke 15, 11, I believe, all the way to verse 32. It's that whole story. And, you know, that son that was just going to leave, there was nothing he could show him. You know, he had it figured out. So he didn't chase him. Now, he did watch for him every day, but he didn't chase him. And uh, a lot of times we just got to pray. If I'm being honest, we just got to pray. We got to say, Lord, I'm taking my hands off this situation for anyone who has a situation like that uh you know you just pray lord i'm taking my hands off the situation but you've got this Mm. and um we just cover them in prayer and uh when um the situation presents itself as it certainly will and god puts you in a predicament you just do what you know to do is the right thing whatever for whatever situation that is um when it comes to our children we really like I said, the way we live our life is what's going to really represent, you know, what your kids do or don't do. Because we can we can go to church Sunday and we can live a certain way. And if we go live a different life, they're going to see that. And that's you, mean, gonna, you mean they're going to catch what we've got? They will. <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll, they'll see what we got. They'll see how we're acting. And when you, uh, the problem is when, um, it, well, that's, that is a problem. But when you're living it and when you mess up, go, go tell your kids, you know, hey, I messed up and I've done this. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I'm sorry. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That, that is probably the hugest thing you can do is you're willing to admit your mistakes. Absolutely. I, that, uh, that's happened to me, of course. And uh, when you're disciplining your children, sometimes you'll cross that line into anger. And I've had that happen. Took a knee, asked my son to forgive me. And he was more than willing to forgive me because he knew the discipline was done, right? That was a positive for him. But the bottom line was that if I had lost discipline in my action, how could I enforce discipline in that moment? And uh, so I, I always do think it's important to, to uh, uh, differentiate the, the stages or the, what I call the seasons of fathering, that obviously if a child's under 10, you're not going to let him run off and let go. <laughs> right. uh, you're going to say, no, son, that just ain't going to happen today. <laughs> you're going to understand that this, this is, and if they're in those teenage years, you've got to let them stumble and uh, and pick themselves up, and uh, you may have to call a timeout, change the environment your child's in, if he's in a bad crowd or whatever, that's one thing. But then, of course, in the prodigal son, he's obviously a little bit older. The dad doesn't have any choice. He can't, he's, he's beyond teaching. He's even beyond coaching. 
he's got to let go and the child's going to have to hit a wall. Right. And of course, it's kind of like handing your kids the, the keys to the car. You have to, your prayer life increases significantly in those years because you know that you don't have control any longer. He's got to learn the lesson. But the prayer is that if we embrace the biblical worldview and uh, build our home on the rock, as we've talked about before, then they at least have the grounding. And you go back to Proverbs that you train a child young, then he's not going to turn away from it. Well, he may drift he may make a turn but he'll always come back yes, to what you've laid out so so uh, Donald thank you for your time I just want to say uh, to all dads out there the call is to stay grounded in faith and truth and lead your family spiritually and that biblical worldview lead them spiritually by example that's the dad you're called to be and that's the dad the next generation needs God bless Godspeed